Happy Thursday afternoon to you. Thanks for listening in to Radio NL and NL Newsday. The time now is 3.37. All right, I don't want to waste too much time here, so I want to just get right into it. Joined now by BC's Minister of Health, Mr. Adrian Dix. Minister Dix, how are you doing here this afternoon? I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for taking the time. It's been a while since I've had on the show, so happy to have you back yeah, on today. It's great to be on. Okay, uh, I guess one thing we should probably start with here is the vaccine rollout efforts. We're seeing now more than 30% of uh, eligible adults in the province of BC now have at least their first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And I understand things are going even better here in the Kamloops area. Um, Just are you pleased with this progress so far? It seems like things are going, you know, fairly smoothly for the most part, almost as smooth as they can, at least to this point. Yeah, I think our public health teams have just done an exceptional job, as of our partners in pharmacy. In the Kamloops area, uh, as of Monday night, so on Monday night we've done about 30% of people, eligible people with their first dose. In Kamloops it was 35%. And uh, that's, that's almost 40,000 people in the Kamloops local health area. In addition, in North Thompson, even higher, because we are, of course, focusing on small communities that are farther from acute care centers and uh, same in Seven Arms, same in uh, same in Caribou, and same in Lillooet. So um, that part is going well. We'd like more vaccine. If we had more vaccine, we'd deliver more vaccine. We have a machine to do that now in a, in a very, I think, positive way. So the only thing limiting at us, as it is this week, is we're getting, of course, less vaccine from the federal government this week than at any week in the last five, and we're expecting quite a bit more in May. So we're in, we're still delivering a lot of vaccine this week, but in terms of supply, we're in a small and hopefully temporary lull. So what does that do? Does that just kind of put, it doesn't, obviously isn't pausing things, right? Because there's still vaccine available, but does that really slow things down? We haven't seen it yet, but might that be coming? Well, it slows it down a little bit, and um, because uh, let me give you an example. This week we're getting about 138,000 doses of Pfizer, but we're getting no uh, Moderna vaccine this week and no AstraZeneca. Uh, next week it'll be another 138,000 of Pfizer, and we're getting uh, approximately 78,000 doses of Moderna, so that's a little bit better. The week after that, our amount of Pfizer doubles. So from a logistical perspective, and people aren't really as interested in sort of the back of the scene, but um, that's a challenge because we have to be ready for 276,000 doses of Pfizer two weeks ago. So we have to keep our machine in gear because we want to get that vaccine into people's arms as soon as we can on the one hand. On the other hand, we got to kind of maintain the situation. So the real focus this week is using uh, across BC and hotspots like Dawson Creek, for example, and Surrey, our, uh, the AstraZeneca we have, make sure that that is out and in people's arms and having a positive effect. And uh, that's what we're seeing this week. Although the clinics everywhere, including in Kamloops, are continuing. Yeah, and, and there was some talk yesterday from uh, south of the border. I believe President Joe Biden was talking about the possibility of delivering some AstraZeneca to Canada uh, because it has not been approved yet for use by the uh, FDA down south. I mean, could that potentially make a significant difference if we started to see some, some of those additional supplies start rolling in, especially if they're just sitting there on the shelves doing nothing? That would be much more useful for us at this stage of the game. Would you welcome that? And, and do you think that that could potentially see our, our efforts ramp up if we were to see another supply chain come online like that? 
Absolutely welcome uh, more of any vaccine. We have hopes uh, early in May to see our first uh, small amount of the Janssen vaccine or the Johnson Johnson vaccine. Uh, and uh, we've already received some of that stockpile from the United States. They haven't approved it in the United States. They can't use it in the United States. And so we did receive um, the week before last 188,000 doses of AstraZeneca USA, for want of a better term. And obviously, we'd uh, it would be great to to get more. I mean, it's a reminder to Canadians, though, that we don't have any domestic capacity to produce vaccines. And this is a fairly new thing. In previous periods when we really needed vaccines, we've had domestic capacity here. And it was a decision. It was a decision at the federal level to stop doing that. And we're paying the price for that now. We're doing as well as uh, or better than most countries that don't have domestic capacity. But those who can produce their own vaccines, um, they're getting more vaccines first. And this has been a problem for us as a country since the beginning of the pandemic. We have a profound trading relationship with the United States, always, about almost everything. But that trading relationship has changed. Of course, the PPE, our regular orders of PPE were interrupted uh, from the United States. And obviously, ordinarily, we would be able to uh, procure lots of vaccine from the United States. And except for the uh, small amount of AstraZeneca we've received, we've had to go elsewhere to get our vaccine. Uh, we're a little more than three weeks now into the circuit breaker restrictions. It looks like numbers are starting to trend downwards, although it's probably too early to really trust that trend. It's kind of just been a couple of day thing where we've seen uh, case numbers kind of drop below a thousand on a daily basis. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll hold my breath on that one. But we are still seeing hospitalizations and people ending up in intensive care from the virus at at all time highs at this point in time. Um, is there any? Uh, issue when it comes to um, um, capacity at hospitals as we see these numbers go up. I know you've talked about this in the past. It doesn't sound like there's much concern when it comes to capacity, but the fact that we are seeing more people end up with serious illness, despite the fact that we're seeing vaccine rollout, you know, go pretty well to this point. Um, I just can, people I'm sure are wondering why are people ending up in the hospital if vaccines are going so well? Well, the vaccines are going well with the vaccine we have. If we had more vaccine, if we had a million more doses in people's arms, things would be better. But we don't. This is the situation we have. we put our we're, we're in, and we we can't uh, we can't be wondering well, what if right now. That's the situation we're in. And so, um, as of yesterday, 31.8 percent of people eligible people have been vaccinated. Uh, but um, that's not as good as 41.8, right? So there's, there's that. We saw, we've seen in the third wave with the variants of concern, a significant increase in transmission of COVID-19. On March 29th, the circuit breaker measures came into effect. But remember, there's an incubation period here. They don't really start to have an effect on numbers for 10 days to two weeks once you've done them, right? And that's what we're seeing now. The positive news in the last um, two weeks uh, is that we've seen a decline in what's called test positivity in all the health authorities. It's been pronounced in interior health, and but it's been in all the health authorities to a greater or lesser extent. So about 10.6% on April 11th of our tests were positive. That number is now about 9.2%. So that's, that's a good trend. Uh, on hospitalizations, though, the lag effect affects it differently. We're, we, all of those massive case counts we saw two weeks ago are being seen in our hospitals now. And while we have equipment and beds available, this puts enormous pressure on our staff. And so we are and will be, in, especially in Metro Vancouver, uh, taking steps to ensure that our staff are protected and the patients are protected. And so that means 
reducing the number of people in hospital for other reasons, uh, deferring procedures potentially. Those things are all in our toolkits, and we're, we're, we've already done a little bit of that, and we'll um, likely have to do more of that with these rising hospitalizations. That's more a Metro Vancouver issue than it is an interior health issue or an island health issue or a northern health issue, but the situation in our hospitals is a, is a serious one, and uh, the pressure on our staff is extraordinary. It's not an issue of beds or uh, equipment, but it is an issue of, uh, of our staff, ensuring that um, our staff can continue to provide the high level of care that everybody expects from them. You, you talked about variants within there, and, and I know it's not really quite as topical these days since most part uh, variants are just being assumed to exist, right? When we see a new COVID-19 case, it's probably just assumed it's likely one of the variants or at least a 50% chance of that. Um, but I, I saw today there's apparently this double mutation that was first discovered in India that has now been found to be in BC. Uh, as we see different types of variants start to pop up, does that change the conversation? Does that have you concern that uh, we're seeing these additional variants now being found in the province and, and maybe we're going to react a little bit differently than how we see things to this point. Well, there's the three variants that are variants of concern are variants of concern for a very good reason, reasons of transmission, for example, or, or the quality of the illness. Viruses mutate all the time. So the fact that there's mutations uh, is not surprising. Um, and um, these are examples of those uh, mutations, the B117, sometimes called the UK, the P1, sometimes called the Brazilian. In this case, one that has uh, been seen and associated uh, because it was detected first in India. Uh, it all concerns me. The, the good news, the important news that people all people have to recognize in every health authority, because these variants exist in interior health as well, is that the things we do to stop the spread of COVID-19 are the things we do to stop the spread of the variant, and the variants, and we have to do that. And that means when it's our turn to be immunized, get immunized. That means ensuring that uh, we only socialize with those in our household, and that we not travel, uh, we not uh, travel uh, except when it's essential only essential travel and all the other things we know the splashing of our hands and the physical distancing and the workplace safety plans all of those are more necessary now than ever because transmission is relatively higher and while transmission is coming down in interior health it's still demonstrably too high uh, just to go back to the circuit breaker restrictions for a second, they were announced that they're going to be extended through the May long weekend. I was just curious if there's sort of a definition of success. Is, is there any sort of, um, you know, numbers out there that you look to to say this is this is what we need to see before we can safely open things back up after that May long weekend? Uh, it can be challenging sometimes, Jeff, and you know this from your, your coverage of things. You don't know uh, what would have happened had you not done what you did. Right? So that alternate path, you don't know. We do know that the impact of the circuit breakers and everyone's actions out there has seen some reduction in transmission in all health authorities, more so um, in interior health and in Vancouver Coastal Health than in Fraser Health, but in all health authorities. So we know it's had uh, some effect, but so have the actions of people, and you can't attribute that success to one action as opposed to another. The most important restrictions are the ones that were in place first, the ones that say that you should only socialize with those in your household right now, and the severe COVID safety plans, which will lead to the closure of businesses should we uh, see, in the case of non-essential businesses, transmission uh, at a certain level. And 
we've seen businesses closed in Interior Health. We've seen business a lot of businesses closed this week in Fraser Health and, and Vancouver Coastal Health. And the purpose of that is to target our efforts, sometimes to target immunization, but not to close every business of a certain kind in many areas, but to focus on those businesses where there's transmission. In the case of, uh, and the other thing it tells us, and the circuit breaker tells us, is that some of the things that we could do safely a few months ago, we can't do safely now. And that's the reason why the restaurant uh, change was put into effect, why the indoor uh, group fitness change was put into effect. Things that may have been relatively safe at some point in the recent uh, path, if people followed the rules, but are no longer safe now. And so uh, what's the definition of success? It will be to reduce the number of cases of COVID-19. Ultimately, because it takes some time for this to happen, the number of cases in hospital. And remember, this is a vicious, vicious virus. Someone passed away this week in their 20s. Uh, for example, a child passed away this week. And while those are unusual circumstances, you do not want to get sick with COVID-19, especially in the weeks, days, weeks, or a couple of months before you're immunized. This is a time to follow public health guidance and public health rules. It really is. And if we do that, we can, we can reduce the spread of uh, the virus. Uh, I know we're on the up on the clock here, Adrian, but just one question that's uh, non-COVID related, if you don't mind. Um, our sure. MLAs were just uh, responding to the budget here that was released earlier this week, and, they were and did, did they like did they like it? Were they? Uh, I, I I I haven't been I've been very focused, as everyone knows, on COVID nineteen, so I have not heard what. Uh, but uh, Todd and Peter have said. I, I'll just say they were somewhat critical of it, but uh, the one thing they did want to highlight was just the the cancer care clinic and that. Uh, the NDP promise that's been made to bring a cancer care clinic to Kamloops uh, doesn't sound like there was any mention of that in the budget. So I was just wondering if uh, you had kind of any response or, or support of where things are with the cancer clinic for Kamloops. Has any change or update there at all? Well, um, major healthcare facilities are with us for decades, and so they require significant planning. And what's in the budget is the 10-year cancer plan, of which regional centers such as Kamloops, such as Nanaimo, are part. And so uh, we're absolutely proceeding with our uh, 10-year cancer plan, and we need to because we're an, we're an aging population. There's going to be more age-related cancer by 2035, 50% more, uh, as because people are living longer and getting more age-related cancer. And so bringing that service closer to home is really important, and the Kamloops uh, Center is a priority. But on capital, on the building of youth as healthcare facilities, uh, the list is as long as my arm. Terrace, years, wasn't done by the previous government. We've uh, updated the previous plan and then are proceeding uh, to the Terrace Hospital, Fort St. James, Dawson Creek. We've kept going at Royal Inlet, and people know that project continues to be underway, even though it's been in place for a long time. These things take time. Uh, Finnish Penticton, ICU in, uh, in uh, Trail, and then, uh, of course, new emergency room in Abbotsford, uh, a new hospital in Surrey announced, new, ho- new major hospital project in Richmond, major hospital project in Williams Lake, uh, major hospital project at St. Paul's, uh, to say the least, major project, hospital project at Lionsgate. Uh, this is, a, this is, and of course I'm missing a few there, Quinnell, a new ICU, the ongoing work in Kamloops, Cowichan Hospital. This is the most significant hospital uh, capital plan we've ever seen, and we're simply proceeding. We're doing the work, Prince George as well. We're doing the work and seeing that this is done. These hospitals are going to be with us for 50 years. The ones that they're replacing in all of these cases 
uh, stem from the 1960s uh, and 1950s, and they've served us well, but we have to replace them, and we're doing that work. And similarly with cancer care, as cancer becomes more prevalent as we live longer, um, uh, I think it's important that that care be shared around the province. That doesn't mean that people will get everything that they need in Kamloops, but many of the procedures, we would like to see many of the procedures uh, that people have to travel for uh, be available in people's communities. And uh, I'm, I'm taking a positive approach. I assume that, uh, that Todd and Peter, uh, this is something that hasn't been done um, by previous governments. By that, I mean not just the previous Liberal government, the previous NDP government uh, prior to that. So, uh, But I think it's something that the time has come. And I think rather than make it a political football, I'm hopeful that everyone's going to rally around uh, this idea and that we'll see this done uh, as we see um, an increase in cancer uh, in the future. And the increase in cancer isn't all bad news. People, Our survival rates are going up significantly, so people, more people are living with cancer, one. And two, we're all, we're all uh, uh, life expectancy after 65 is increasing, and that means more of us are going to have cancer and have to live with cancer. And so the care has to be uh, not just the major interventions, but the qualitative care of treating cancer as it is for a large number of people as a chronic disease. Uh, well, Minister, I think I've, I've kept you long enough here. Appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, but thanks so much for this. Hey, take care, eh? Have a great rest of the day. Thanks so much for this. Okay, there you go. BC's Minister of Health, Adrian Dix, catching up with him a little bit earlier today prior to the uh, COVID-19 update that came down at 1 o'clock. But uh, appreciate the time. I would have liked to follow up a little bit more on that whole cancer care clinic uh, conversation. But uh, when you tell someone you're going to talk for 10 minutes and then chat with them for 20, uh, you kind of got to wrap that call up uh, a little bit earlier maybe than you would like at that point in time.